Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Dr. Mary Clifton. She is an expert in CBD and cannabis. She's trained as an internist and has over 20 years of experience. Excited to talk with her. I'm always fascinated about the medical side of the cannabis space. As we know, the regulations are interesting on a state-by-state level, and how it gets into the medical side is a fascinating conversation, and how cannabis is helping patients, uh, how CBD uh, and all these other products that are coming out, fascinating topic. With that, Mary, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. So let's go to your background first, because I'm kind of curious how you got into the cannabis space, how to come up, how do you get into it? Why did you get into it? And then we can talk a little bit about what you're doing now and understand uh, what's happening with cannabis and the medical side in, in terms of this market and this industry. Yeah, I mean, I've been talking, I've been a doctor for almost 25 years now, and I've been uh, uh, thinking about cannabis, but not really thinking about it as uh, as anything significant until just the past couple of years. Yeah. I had a couple of 
remarkable experiences. I, I, I experienced the loss of my brother to colon cancer. Yeah. And then right on the heels of losing my brother, I lost a dear friend to ovarian cancer. Mm-hmm. And these were relationships where I was asked to manage the hospice at bedside. I mean, I do hospice management all the time. I'm an internist. People are always passing away because when you take care of an older population, but I've never really sat at the bedside and administered the medications myself and watched the response. And, and I, and I was 24 seven with these particular patients, you know, and the differences in their dying process were so stark, so completely different that with and without cannabis that I thought this just has to be a one up. There's no real data around this. It's a, it's so remarkable, but I'm just, I'm going to do a little research and then I'm going to go back to doing what I used to do. And then when I did the research, there's a phenomenal amount of research about how these products can help with death and dying processes and all kinds of other things. I mean, simple things like insomnia or anxiety, Mm -hmm. but more complicated diseases like difficult to control seizures, autism. There's so much data and I've always been listening to the the mantra that we don't have any data. We can't really make any recommendations. But once I started looking at the research, it was clear that data is accumulating rapidly worldwide and that we have more and more information to help people make great decisions. Yeah. And so, I mean, I'm curious what you saw. What, what are the effects or what are the what are the differences that you, you noticed in these situations that you were in and, and dealing with end of life? situations oh, yeah. and the impact of cannabis. And then, and then I'm curious about the research because I do I do think we still, many people still are in this kind of, well, we don't really have any data about cannabis. It's all anecdotal. So let's talk mm-hmm. about the kind of sort of the empirical evidence you have or the, the experiences that you've had in terms of seeing it in kind of in practice. And then let's talk about the research. So what did you notice in terms of the, the experiences you had? Well, I mean, there's my personal experience mm-hmm. with these two individuals is supported by research that at end of life or in severe disease or, you know, in these situations, you see a lot of nausea, uncontrolled pain frequently occurs, loss of appetite. And uh, and all of those things were very well modulated by the cannabis. Mm-hmm. But there's other issues too, as you approach a dying process of just having, you know, a, a, a psychological calmness around what's happening and yeah. being able to progress through the series of steps needed to be able to leave this life it with some sort of grace and uh, and I noticed that also and that I thought was probably dependent on the person that I was working with rather than the disease or the cannabis but actually I mean there's a lot of research around how people are able to sort of contemplate their life experiences. There's the medical components of this of this plant, Mm -hmm. the reduction in the nausea, the control of the pain, the improvement in appetite. I mean, a lot of cancer patients die from malnutrition and dehydration. So really getting somebody to eat and drink is a critical part of end stage cancer management. But it's also critical that people have the capacity to process and to to have a product that will allow them to process through what they're going through is uh is remarkable. Yeah. I think we have that in cannabis. We probably have that also in some other restricted plants like yeah. the psilocybins. And yeah. I'm hoping in the future we'll be able to bring those forward too. Yeah. Well, I know I know they're starting to work on it. I know I think Colorado has been passing some legislation on on some of the use of that. So yeah. what are the what are the medications that typically have been used in these situations that cannabis can start replacing or augmenting or offsetting? 
uh, in, these, well, in these cases? Right now, we're using a lot of opioids for yep. management of nausea. And of course, there's a lot of different uh, nausea and pain. And there's all kinds of different nausea medications like Phenergan uh, comes to mind immediately or mm-hmm. Zofran that are very effective. But I mean, the studies are showing a number needed to treat for nausea and vomiting uh, of like one to six which is a number wow. needed to treat as a uh, is a statistical you know number derived from all of the research to say how many people do you have to treat before you prevent one or before you cure or control one mm-hmm. so like if i treat with cholesterol therapies all the people who come into my office with high cholesterol i have to treat upwards of 200 to prevent one stroke or heart attack. And that's, you know, if we really massage that data. (laughs) So to have a number needed to treat of six with cannabis for managing nausea is really exciting. That's a very nice low number needed to treat. Yeah. I mean, just that that's just sort of a metric of effectiveness in a general population, like how yes. how how many people would see benefit yes. in, in treatment. Yes. Okay. And, there's, and there's similar, very nice low numbers for management of insomnia, anxiety, more common chronic diseases that even though they're common, I feel I don't really have great products to offer people. You know, a lot mm. of my anxiety patients are dealing with a lot of anxiety on Sunday and Monday at the beginning of the week, but mm-hmm. not necessarily feeling as bad on Wednesday and Thursday as things wind down. But I don't have a mechanism in Western medicine to allow you to treat one day and not treat another day. You know, if I do that with my existing drugs, I create a lot of addiction and problems with sedation. But with with using things like CBD or cannabis, I can allow people to titrate their own meds as they see and maintain their own uh, symptom control and have much more control over their health. That's what I'm so excited about is the patient empowerment that it's innovative and disruptive that excites me but then a patient can take control and, yeah. and that that's wonderful that's and what, it, what is it that allows cannabis to do that just because it's a, a more natural product plant-based uh, well what's and the... because you can take it when you want to okay. you know i mean it, it isn't like i give you a dose of prozac and you have to take 40 milligrams every single day or yeah. you'll have withdrawal symptoms whether you feel like you need it or not if you're having a good day you can half your dose mm-hmm. uh, with cannabis no harm done yeah. And then, or, or double it if you're having a rough day. Yeah. So it puts the control back in the consumer's hands instead of in the doctor's hands, and uh, and that's exciting too. Yeah, no, very. And and so let's talk about the research because I do I do think that you know most people are kind of under the general impression that uh, because of the the legal mm-hmm. classification of of the drug of the plant that there hasn't been any research done on it in the last you know 50, 60 years. Where have you found research? Who's producing this research? What kind of research? is being done? What have you been able to learn from it? It's been hard to do research in the United States for a couple of reasons, because it is a schedule one drug, like on par with heroin and cocaine and is, well, actually cocaine's not in that schedule, but cocaine does have some perceived uh, medicinal value in some ear, nose and throat conditions. So it doesn't have medicinal value and it is hard to research. You have to get a lot of, of data around yourself in order to access it. And then the only product that you can research is 
one type of cannabis that grows, I believe in Mississippi for like the University of Mississippi grows it to, in order to oh, use it for research purposes. Yeah. But I mean, it's not even a strain that anybody uses anymore. So 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 the value of doing research on that strain is just you, you just have to wonder at what we're doing in the United States with this with, yeah. with, with handcuffing our researchers. But Italy is doing really great work um, since their legalization, at least for medicinal. They're doing a lot of survey data on people as they're as they're entering the dispensary. There's been a lot of great survey data accumulated in the U.S. when uh, for people who are going to dispensaries and also. Israel, Tiku Maloum and some of the bigger companies there are working on distillations of various cannabis products, different cannabinoids, the THC and CBD, but also CBN, CBC, CBG, trying to figure out if they can manipulate the ratios a little bit. They can significantly impact inflammation or immune responses and all kinds of conditions. And then they would have really exciting novel new ways to manage immune system dysfunction. Yeah. So you're mentioning a couple of interesting points when it comes to kind of the the application or or, or use of of cannabis. Uh, all these different cannabinoids in terms of the ratios and the combinations, and people keep talking about this entourage effect, and then people talk about mm-hmm. terpenes and all these things. So I'm, <laughs> I'm curious what you what you've been able to kind of learn, or or what your when you when you look at applying cannabis to different conditions and situations, how that factors yeah. in, and then also the you know, kind of mode of application. So whether you're talking about tinctures or, you know, uh, some kind of vaporization or like what, where you're at with, you know. That's like a really long question. Well, yeah, is, but, but I think answer. it's, I mean, I, I guess what I see is the, the, the big difference between, or the big, I think, the interesting part of the medical side. I mean, the, the adult yeah, use yeah. side is, you know, is a little bit more of, it's like whatever you want, whatever makes you feel good. Well, and, and the recreational side does, you know, do, we just want to present, prevent somebody from having an acute yeah. psychosis, you know, yeah. try to take, try to take it in a way that you can titrate. And that's really true of the of the medicinal side you know if you it, it, it seems safer to take a gummy bear and but then your onset of action with yeah. a, a edible is 60 to 90 minutes yeah. so and then you can't take it away you can't subtract it yeah. so so you want to try to use a product like a vape or a tincture that you can hold in your mouth and then the onset of action is going to be no more than six or eight minutes so if you wait 20 minutes and you still don't feel like you thought you wanted to feel, you can take another dose. You don't have to, or another serving size as the FDA makes us safe (laughs) or CBD. (laughs) So you you can, uh, you can uh, take the products and titrate them and see how they work. And then you can keep a little log and and you'll have a lot of data. So it's all, you know, all of the studies that start with edibles, more people drop out, more people don't like it. They didn't get a response. So the, the edibles are really not a good starting point. But once you get your response figured out, the edibles are great, you know, because then then you can dose yourself reliably for whatever you're dealing with. So in the mode of administration also varies, I have to say, based on what you're doing. If you've got chronic pain, that's Mm -hmm. always a seven out of 10. You you know, you need to dose with a way that you're going to constantly have product in your system. But if you're if you have a a trick knee that gives out after basketball on Tuesdays and Saturdays, Mm -hmm. then you need a different, you know, more acute onset of action for the 
trick knee. And that might be where a vape pen or a tincture is going or, or just standard flour rolled or vaporized would, um, would give you, you know, immediate relief. Yeah. The, uh, the, the, I mean, I thought when I started out with this, I was working with an IT company. I still am working with them on mm-hmm. a similar project, but we started out thinking that we would create a sort of a magic wheel and we could tell you what product to use based on your symptoms. Mm, interesting. Yeah. But the reality is almost everything is relying on CBD. The CBD is the workhorse of the, of the plant. Interesting. And, uh, and so you can start treating pain, anxiety, inflammation, you know, almost certainly uh, with CBD and see if it works. And then if you're not getting the results you're looking for after you've titrated and taken your time and you've assured that you have a high quality product, then adding a little THC, you know, going to more of a whole, a whole bud to try to get that entourage effect mm-hmm. is is a wise thing to do but um but but i think uh we don't really it's it's not as complicated as it would initially seem people run into trouble if they start with an edible or if they try a product with a high THC concentration, there's value to the high THC concentrations in getting high. If you want to get high, yeah. you definitely need the THC. Yeah. Or if you're trying to manage like nausea, appetite issues, those the central yeah. nervous system seems to be in large part where a lot of that is able to be controlled. Got it. And what's your, I mean, just from a medical point of view, you know, the, these different modes, I mean, everything from consuming concentrates, you know, in a tincture format or things versus mm-hmm. vaping versus taking flour, or, you know, smoking mm-hmm. flour. I mean, are there side effect or um, I mean, like the idea of smoking a flour? How does that compare to, you know, the nicotine cigarette smoking? I mean, I think a lot of people are, you know, is this really healthy or is this really the same or, or what's, oh, the, what's the a offset benefit? The, a lot of the data around smoking gets, you know, automatically transitioned into cannabis. And that's been a problem with a lot of the research. I mean, they will, researchers will ask patients if they smoke. And then if they say yes, then they'll say, you know, smoking cannabis is dangerous. But I mean, smoking cigarettes is 300 to 400 inhalations a day, (laughs) whereas smoking cannabis in most cases, even in a heavy user, might be eight to 10 inhalations a day. So it's, and there's inflammatory products in tobacco and cannabis has, uh, you know, repeatedly shown to have anti-inflammatory effects. I mean, there's things in the smoke that do have inflammatory responses, but there's also pinenes in a lot of cannabis, the terpenes that make basil smell mm-hmm. piney or that make pine trees smell piney, and that acts as a natural bronchodilator. So there's probably some mediation of any inflammation that goes on in the lungs with the anti-inflammatory effect of the product. And it's not 400 inhalations a yeah. day. Yeah. So, yeah, so I don't, I, I, it's hard to, so, so there might be some argument that the smoking of the cannabis might be bad for you and vaping might be better, but then you get into some of these vaping oils and there's been a recent oh, yeah. sharp increase in the people getting sick with uh, with vaping and uh, most of those I think with tobacco because they're just vaping so much yeah and getting a lot of exposure well so, it's a yeah, little unclear you know. I think a lot of these a lot of the reports I've seen too has been yeah high use tobacco high use situation but also mm-hmm. somewhat questionable product quality so right. you know people talk about the bootlegged e-cigarettes and things like that and people are worried that some of the um, solvents that they're using you know in these lesser quality ones are, are becoming problematic causing health issues so I think it's a combination of the the, the amount of use and then the the quality of the product that you're yeah consuming. and I think I think also you know I've, I've worked 
worked a lot in hospitals and, you know, the uh, the billing department, when there's something that is getting reimbursed, you're often encouraged to identify that on the bill. So if there is a lot of, of high-level billing going on around a vape-induced complicated pneumonia, and I can imagine that there is, if anybody who is vaping shows up in the hospital with pulmonary infiltrates, then I could see how the billing department would ask you to consider this being related to their vape, and then that could potentially increase the reimbursement for the hospital. Uh, you're you're yeah, always advised incentives. to do that all day long. Yeah, incentive, and it's not really yeah. like an advisement to add it to the bill. It's more of like, you know, I mean, you, you, it's something that's important to, to do, yeah. you know, when you're working in the hospital to to maintain their reimbursement. So I really don't know exactly how risky the vaping is or how many of these uh, vaping-related problems are truly vaping-related problems. I'm, I'm going to withhold my judgment on that for a little bit more time. Yeah, no, I understand. And I'm curious what your, I mean, you mentioned the kind of the difference in onset time in terms of, you know, obviously taking an edible, it's got to work your way through the digestive system, 60 to 90 minutes, you mm-hmm, know, vaping, mm-hmm. you know, goes directly to the lung, directly to the brain. I mean, it's it's near instantaneous or at least, uh, you know, as pretty close as you can get in terms of time onset. Other factors that you've seen in terms of um, kind of end effectiveness, I mean, just in terms of, you know, putting something through a digestive system versus, you know, putting it right into the circulatory system. I mean, is there a breakdown? I mean, we're talking about plant chemicals and we digest, you know, digesting things in different Mm -hmm. ways and stuff. What's the impact of these different modes or even uh, we really haven't talked about, you know, skin, you know, dermal kind of things. But what what are some of the differences in terms of the end result or effect or what ends up getting through to the systems and how does that work? Well, I think the major differences between the various mode of administrations is the onset of action. You know, the uh, the edibles probably, but also anything that you're smoking is going to break down through the cytochrome P450 system, okay. which is the uh, same system that's used by a number of different drugs. It doesn't appear to clog up the P450 systems like grapefruit juice can, but it but it with multiple drugs, you could imagine that you could have a drug-drug interaction, or you could have genetic yeah. modifications to the P450 system that could change the way that you break down all of your drugs, not just uh, cannabinoids. Yeah. There's also issues with genetic differences with CB receptors, you know, the receptors that naturally occur in your body in the endocannabinoid system could be upregulated in some people. They could have a lot of it and have a very pronounced effect to taking... Uh, cannabinoids, or they could have a very limited number of uh, CB receptors and have kind of a mediocre effect. So that could be also contributing to the way that your individual body is responding to these medicines. So I think there's a number of different factors with it. And I, I the and you also have to worry about the quality of your product. There was a study published in JAMA just a couple of years ago on upwards of 85 bottles of CBD, and they found only 25%, <laughs> only 25% matched what the bottle said on the yeah. outside when they actually applied third-party testing. So you have to make sure that your product is high quality. I mean, I just... Uh, talk to a friend whose mother picked up a product from a flea market and they and she she said what do you think of this and I said I'll tell you what I think of that so she so she sent me the product the woman got a bottle with 20 milligrams of CBD in 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 a 10 serving bottle and I mean at that point she could drink the whole bottle it may 
have an effect. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I mean, but 20 milligrams and you're, 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 so you're going to dose two milligrams per dropper full and oh my word, you know, and then there's a person who tried it and said it didn't work for me, you know, well, yeah. it, unless you're hoping for the placebo effect, I don't expect that it would. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that well. So let's talk about that a little bit because I think that's one of the things I've come to appreciate. And having talked to a lot of folks in this industry on the medical side, is just the way that the the sort of the laws and the processes set up is that I I go to a physician in, in a in a medically legal state. I go to a physician get get diagnosed with a qualifying condition that lets me mm-hmm. get a medical use card. That mm-hmm. then I go to the dispensary and now I'm kind of back at square one with a you know a bud tender trying to describe my symptoms and then helping me navigate this all these kind of products and you know different types of strains or cultivars and you know so what I mean from from your point of view as a physician what's I mean what's working about this right now what's not working about this like how well, how is this a challenge? The problem is that yeah. the bud tenders really don't have a lot of training and so they're yeah. just relying on their own personal experience yeah. and so you may have a very high qualified blood tender and then in another circumstance or come back to the dispensary on another day, somebody who really has very limited personal experience. Most of them on average are working behind the counter no longer than six months. And most of their training is on how to run the counter and uh, and not really on products or how products work. So bud tender training is helpful, but that's what my site intends to do is make it possible for you to go to the site and see uh, what research is available in your disease and then think about what products are going to be best. And, you know, short telemedicine consultations are available, you know, in all states where it's legal that will allow you to just get quick questions answered and not, you know, not deplete your pocketbook of any significance, but get you on the mend with with the right choice so that you can go and say what terpenes you would like and what, uh, you know, and uh, and what ratio of CBD to THC you want to start with. I mean, we're, I'm really grateful to the HIV and cancer communities back in the 80s who we really owe a lot to those people who insisted on using their uh, cannabinoids to help control their symptoms mm-hmm. for as at, at end of life. And, uh, and then it just manifested all of this energy around bringing these products back for their medicinal value. I mean, there's data all the way back 5,000 years in uh, Chinese uh, writings, 3,000 years in Egyptian writings, yeah. where people have been using these uh, products for chronic pain or stomach issues. And uh, and as recently as 1920 from England, where a uh, professor at the medical King College there suggested uh, breathing uh, cannabis smoke through water to manage a headache. <laughs> <laughs> also known as, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I was like, why? Well, and then your head, your headache clears up and you can get back to work. And my question was, what kind of work is this person doing? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. So, where I, I'm curious, like, I, I guess where where you're taking your business. I mean, I, you know, clearly you've, you know, you you've learned a lot about the product, uh, about the about the plant, about applications. Like, where do you see the sort of the profession going? Um, you know, physicians uh, that are interested in getting more involved in cannabis, using you know cannabis or or yeah. working with cannabis in different ways, and and how are you developing your practice and and helping bring this plant to to um, you know to people that need it. 
Yeah, I create um, short videos. I create a series. What I do actually is create like a very long group of videos, uh, 40 minutes of video on cancer, 50 minutes of video on um, seizure disorder. I just shot autoimmunity for 30 minutes. And then I go into uh, for for provider certification so that if you want to know every detail about autoimmune conditions and cannabis, I have that all together in my provider certification. And then I look through all of that and look for the really great thoughts or things that you need to know if if you're if you're searching and you want to know what to do with your thyroid and if cannabis or other um, uh, cannabinoids you know if any of these chemicals might help and then I shoot little three minute videos that are all for free on the site so in most cases a consumer can go to the site and get the information they need to feel confident about choosing these products or not choosing these products yep. for for the various conditions that I've researched and, uh, and then if you want to know more or if you want to become certified, then the provider certification is available. And that's going through all the processes you would expect to be affiliated with a major university and, you know, and then and then replicated. Yeah. And what do you uh, I mean, kind of looking forward in this industry here where I guess, where do you see things going or at least what do you what do you hope happens over the coming years in terms of, you know, whether it's regulation, whether it's, uh, you know, how the industry develops, you know, new products, where do you think the opportunities are or, um, you know, changes, you know, hopefully happen? Well, I mean, I'm a doctor. I think about education and patients and, and I, I talk to people all the time who cross state lines with the product in their car and uh, because they can't get it in their state or they, you know, are, are there or like in New York, we have uh, the capacity to get hard pressed tablets, tinctures, but we can't get whole bud. And yeah. so if you want to smoke whole bud in New York, I mean, really, I talk to a lot of people with cannabis cards who admit that they're still getting their product from a secondary market. Yeah. So, you know, the states really need to move quickly to allow available products to be available yeah. so that patients can get whole bud. And I, I would love to see legalization for recreation just nationally. Yeah. And uh, and then if you want to use it medicinally, we have data on it. If you want to use it safely recreationally, we have some data on that, you know, yeah. and that way there's not all of these state to state issues or risk or all the fear that drives people's decision making around this plant. Yeah. It's too valuable to keep applying silly restrictions and making people feel unsafe. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. This has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, about the videos, about the work that you're doing, what's the best way to get that information? Oh, well, you can go to cbdandcannabisinfo.com. I have about 100 videos there. Uh, I'll have 200, uh, hopefully by the end of this month. And then if you go on there and you're looking for a video and like on you know, cannabinoids and nail biting. I haven't shot that video yet. <laughs> if, you have, if you have a question about something that I didn't yeah. answer, just send an email. All the emails on the site go directly to me. Mm-hmm. And if I if I don't have the answer for you, I'll find it and shoot a video for you. Awesome. Mary, this has been a pleasure. I'll make sure that the links are in the show notes so people can click through, get those, see the videos. This has been a pleasure, really informative. I always, like I said, I, I love talking to the medical side because I think that, you know, there's there's a huge amount of value and potential and, um, yes. you know, efficacy here. So oh, this yeah. is my pleasure. Oh, yes. Thank you so much. I thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter 
at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.